And we're back. This is the Post Post Podcast. How are you guys doing? Crazy times, aren't they? Yes. The last episode of the Post Post Podcast, episode 25, came out before all of this began, if you can imagine. It says probably both that it's been too long that we've had this coronavirus uh, disrupting our world, but also that it's been too long since my last episode. And I know I've not been great at keeping those episodes rolling out every two weeks as I've hoped originally, but I'm back and I think that's the most important thing and I'm still passionate about this podcast. I have another episode already recorded and another episode scheduled to be recorded in the following week. Uh, so hopefully the momentum will come back and uh, you'll have more episodes, but um, for now, this is episode 26. I am, as always, your host, David Gidali, and this is the podcast where we talk to creative minds about inspiring professional journeys, and our creative mind of the week is Jonathan Vardy, who currently works as the creative director at a company called Artlist, which a lot of independent filmmakers might know about because they are they have a very aggressive social media campaign right now, which uh, Jonathan doesn't just creatively direct, but he also directs the spots themselves. And um, what Artlist is essentially is a music library uh, that is sort of disrupting the the music licensing world right now. And their social media campaign is all about uh, the spirit of independent filmmaking and uh, the idea that with creativity, filmmakers can do a lot with very little. And basically what it means when you, when you watch those ads is that you're seeing a bunch of filmmakers at work shooting things that look really great, high production value and everything, but done on a shoestring budget with all kind of DIY things. Uh, which is really fun and inspiring to watch. And I also think that knowing Jonathan for many years now uh, is kind of like his ideal job at the moment. So basically, instead of running around and you know chasing his next client, he's been working for over a year now at this sort of steady place, which wants him to create a steady stream of really inventive and inspiring films about filmmakers making really inventive and inspiring films. So pretty meta there, but uh, very fun indeed, and also led to a very fun conversation that we have uh, on this podcast. So I'm not going to go too much into what we talked about, but I will just say that uh, Jonathan and I go back uh, quite a few years. Uh, we went to film school together. I believe we started in 2007. And with Jonathan, unlike a lot of my guests in this show, I also had the unique opportunity of actually visiting on, him on set many years ago and seeing how he works. And I got to say that he left a huge impression on me uh, with his approach to filmmaking. And it seemed, as I was looking at him work, that he looks at everything around him as potential resources that he can use to create art with, which means... I was on set with him and I and I really was inspired to see how he sort of combined things that were there that weren't even supposed to be there in the first place and aren't necessarily related to the filmmaking itself or, or anything like that. But he just he just took them and used them and threw them in into his scene as if they were always always there, sort of drawing inspiration from them. And uh and I really kind of struck me as as this sort of limitless approach to making a film, which uh, I thought was really interesting. And that being my impression back then when I was with him on set was pro probably more than 11 years ago. 
I was really struck by his current uh, method of work, which is very calculated and planned. And you can actually see the process because Artlist is showing the behind the scenes a lot of times of, of how they're creating those spots. So it is a really interesting evolution in a way, or at least I see it as an evolution. He might see it as, well, this was always the case. There's no problem combining a meticulous planning with you know, going off the cuff and uh, improvising and uh, using what's there, even if it wasn't planned to be there and just injecting it into your thing. Um, but what I'm, I guess I'm trying to say is that his brain just keeps being creative at all, I guess, parts of the process, which I find very inspiring. And I think uh, a lot of people can learn from. So it was a lot of fun talking to him about that. And uh, the one last thing I wanted to mention is that uh, what Artlist is offering, I think, is a really cool deal for independent filmmakers. And I'm not going to go too deep into it because we're talking about it in the episode. But if you do find it interesting and you decide to give it a try and to maybe subscribe to it, I highly encourage using the link in the episode page on the postpostpodcast.com. You should be able to get a deal that you won't get on their website. I believe it's two months free. And uh, it also helps support this podcast um so consider doing that if you want and without further ado i introduce jonathan vardy episode 26 of the post post podcast Jonathan Vardy, thank you so much for being on the show. We were together in film school a long time ago. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah, yeah, I do remember and, that, definitely. Uh, and you've been doing some pretty amazing things recently uh, that I've been aware of for Artlist, which is sort of a startup, right? A service for uh, stock uh, sound. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a music licensing platform. Right, music licensing flat platform. From what I understand, it's kind of a groundbreaking platform that enables people to just pay like a monthly subscription or a yearly subscription, and then they get full access to uh, a pretty amazing library of original uh, yeah. music by very, very good artists. Actually, I have some friends who are also you know, amazing musicians who are now working for Artlist and creating music for Artlist, which is it's pretty remarkable. And I've heard a lot about you guys and my social media feed is is all the time being blasted by commercials uh, from Artlist and and I've actually noticed the commercial before I didn't before I realized that it was you behind them. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, and I remember thinking about it. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't even <laughs> realize it's from Israel. I'm sure you've heard that a lot. People yeah. are saying, "Oh, I didn't even realize it's an Israeli thing." Yeah, yeah. Um, my next door neighbor can tell it's me. It's, it's true. <laughs> so, uh, and it's. Uh, so it's pretty remarkable. What do you, from you live in Israel? Just to, to place you in in the world. Yeah, I'm in um, Tel Aviv. And uh, and you're a recent dad as well, as far as I know, right? Um, yeah, it's not, I think you're more recent than I, because uh, my oldest daughter is four now, and I have also a son who's uh, well, he's gonna be two in a month. Oh wow! Congrats! Wow, yeah, I didn't even you. realize you have an, uh, that's that's awesome. Daughter and then a son. Uh, yeah, I have a son, and we're hoping maybe next time it's a daughter. <laughs> so, uh, 
you got it like you know you got both both sexes out of the way real quick I, I guess yeah I think we can rest with uh, more kids for yeah. a moment yeah uh, well we'll definitely get to talk about that as well because you know it's very fresh in my in my brain too um, but just to kind of uh, introduce you to this podcast and to the to the listeners um, so there's art list uh, which we just talked about and you uh, are the lead creative director there as far as I understand right yeah so I'm the creative director and uh, I direct the commercial as well and I and what I was gonna say is that those commercials are extremely well made and very very exciting and uh, one thing I really liked about those commercials even before I knew it was you making them was that uh, the interesting thing about those that is being Both the way that they're made and is really you know um, it, kind of impressive and, and high quality uh, high production value but also along with the commercials you guys release sort of these behind the scenes making of videos like look at how we did those commercials um, and there's always some kind of genius inventive way that you guys are, are doing pulling things off like I remember just seeing uh, some examples of uh, And uh, it's really nice. The, the one with the uh, uh, subway scene, for instance, is something that, I, that kind of pops to mind right away, which is it's a shot of a person sitting in a subway and it looks like he's in a subway, but then you show the behind the scene and you realize it's like you guys only built uh, this tiny little piece of subway right behind him and you're playing with some lighting gags and you put a TV and you know, an LED screen behind through the window to kind of... Uh, and you play this video of um, of the the lamps on the subway going by and everything um, is that was that something that kind of was the the core of the pitch of of the whole campaign uh, no talk a little bit about no it, that yeah. wasn't the pitch because um, the pitch always like the idea comes from the story and uh, like in this commercial we wanted to show you know a story of a sort of a filmmaker. And I knew I wanted a uh, subway. So, right. so that was like a solution for that. Uh, we don't have subways in Israel. We don't need the entire subway, and we really just needed these two shots. Um, so, you know, if you do like, uh, uh, like backward engineering for a shot, you can really uh, break it down to like simple stuff. Oh yeah, no, this is, a, this is remarkable and I've done a lot of the stuff for you know, my, my films and things I always like my, my, la- my latest short with Facewap we have a scene that's like taking place in this uh, ultra um, well, not, you know, like kind of a, it's supposed to be near future and it's all supposed to be high tech and uh, he walks into this thing that looks like a closet but all the walls are completely glass, you know uh, mm-hmm. Are you talking about, about the scene like with the blast with the, like the black glass where he's choosing the, his face? Yeah, exactly like his, yeah that yeah. scene right Yeah yeah I actually I was, so I was sure you, you, you just build it. I was sure it's a set actually. No, no, it was, it was a house with, uh, it was pretty nice kind of upscale house with these like the glass uh, walls that, you know normally when you're there, It's just a glass that you glo- look through and you see the back the, the backyard and whatever through it but we we tented it completely dark I mean, we made it completely dark uh, outside so basically turn it into what looks like a, like a wall that's covered with glass that's like completely uh, black uh, so but what do you, what we're actually we were at the corner of the house and we built this huge tent outside to make it all dark and uh, and that's what uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
that's how how we we did it so you know like and everybody that was on set didn't even understand what we were doing because we were basically creating this huge tent in on the corner of the house and they're like what the hell is this for you know it's just well it's just for the reflection on the wall you know <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so um yeah i mean i'm i'm uh i was very impressed by it so in that in that scenario uh the behind the scene was kind of integral to the story that you wanted to tell in in this spot um How many spots yeah, we, have you guys done so far for um, or? I'm, I'm, I'm at artist like for a year now since January last year and I think we've done okay. uh, one commercial a month maybe 12 maybe maybe 14 altogether oh, wow, that's a lot something like that yeah it's a lot we walk like we really just we finish one commercial and we go straight to the next and uh, many times we're working on several commercials at the same time. I'm super curious to know like what's your life like as a as the lead creative director like do, do you come with the did they tell you well we want to do like a commercial every month come up with ideas or did they have some some uh, more to start with or did you come up with this whole like let's do a commercial every month or so or how did that um, whole, like, no, process begin we had the number when I when I uh, came in like that was the estimate we wanted like at least once. I think we wanted six commercial for a quarter yeah um, and but Aldis is really a company that uh, felt it, it grew very much like very fast I was the 40 uh, guy walking there and I think now we're, we're gonna be a hundred soon Wow so okay. yeah uh, a year, a hun- so like uh, more than twice yeah 115 on on merch I guess uh, wow. that's that's the that's the goal. So it really grew up very fast, and you know we sort of adapt to that, and we didn't really have a plan for the year we We do plans for like several weeks, several months ahead, but not we didn't have like a a roadmap for all the project the project gotcha interesting and uh As, apart from doing those commercials as a creative director do you have any other um, responsibilities or is that kind of the main video camera no that's your... that's what I do but but you know I'm uh, like uh, I'm always doing a lot of stuff so I'm, I'm also the editor and right. I do the VF, the VFX as well yeah that's great so and and uh, did you I remember by the way I, I want to soon I want to like go kind of uh, reverse and and uh, rewind and, t- and talk to you about the early you know the beginning of your career and you know and how you got into film and, and all that yeah, in sure. a second um <clears throat> but because we're talking about those videos which one of those is kind of your favorite i'm curious oh wow that's a good question uh i think i have two favorites no it's it i have two favorites uh first, first of all the the subway scene is a like um i really like it i really like that scene Uh, I think we had an amazing solution over there and because really like we have we do create stuff sometimes we, we do have more budget but sometimes we do create it with really limited sources so you got to be very creative to you know to find a solution and to still um, like keep a uh, hyper lacking value right with it so my favorite like is I think one Uh, called made for creators I think uh, you might have seen it it's the one with the lawyer the lawyer doing like um, stamping papers 
Stamping papers, yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So that's an iconic shot, and I really like that commercial, not only for this shot, but for the entire of it. And yeah. our latest project is also, I think it was amazing, an amazing experience to do as well. The one uh, called We Are The Creators. We Are The Creators. That's the one with the guy who's kind of hovering in space all of a sudden. And yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah. I'm, what I'm curious about and with, with that and with all the commercials is that there's something very uh, kind of, uh, I guess, off, uh, off the cuff. I don't know if you know that, that term, but it's like... No, um, no I, I don't. Uh, off the cuff is like there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of uh, just stuff happening that's not necessarily grounded in the story. Like, you know, there's this moment of... So this guy's on a computer working on a project and all of a sudden he's hovering in, mid, in the middle of the room with like a, a huge beam of lights, you know, coming from the top. And I guess yeah. that represents something, right? I mean, I, I assume it represents something like inspiration or uh, I don't know. It must mean something to you, but it's not necessary really to, for, for, for the commercial to work. It's just a cool visual that, uh, that really kind of um, takes this whole commercial up a notch and, and kind of takes it off of reality, right? It's sort of surrealism all, uh, all of a sudden. Um, True, yeah. Uh, so I was wondering if that's like, that's something that's consistent across the board with the other commercials and is that something that you guys, how, did, how do you pitch that to the company when you, um, when you say, well, I have this idea for the commercial and you know, he's going to sit on the computer and people are going to do that and suddenly he's going to be hovering in the middle of the air with like a light beam coming up. Like what's the... <laughs> well, just, <laughs> just like you did just now. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and how did you uh, justify, like, did you have a, an, an explanation to why, or was it sort of like, just because I think it's going to be cool um, and, you know? I, I think <laughs> I, I pitched it, well, first of all, you know, we pitch it, so, because we are the creative team, so we decide and we all, like, we pitch it to sort of the board or, like, the, the, C, the CEO. And right. so he's going to love it, and if he, he likes it, we do it, and he likes it, and we like it, we do it. Uh, yeah, so I pitched it like this and with an animatic, and everybody loved it. So, oh, so you made an animatic for it? How yeah, did you, I, did, I, for like many years, that's how I work. I do animatics for every project. Even the smallest one, I, like, for me, I got to see it, and it, it really so, helps the clients as well. How do you approach the um, animatic process? Do you do, like, a... Um, uh, 2D drawings that you uh, cut together or do you already go to like a, I don't know a 3D software I, I, I don't remember if you're uh, if you're touching that at all or yeah I do like, I uh, do I well I do I, I uh, no I go straight away to the 3D like sometimes I do drawings but more for uh, like to inspire me but I would I wouldn't pitch with it yeah and I go straight away to the, like, I work on Cinema 4D, so I go straight away into yeah. the project, to, to the program, and, uh, like, sort of roughly build the sets and start putting cameras. Uh, I, I, actually, I, I, I have a nice uh, sort of pipeline over there, because I, you know, Adobe, they made this uh, tool called Fuse. You know, Fuse. Uh, remind me that? Yeah, it's still in beta. It's sort of like... Uh, very roughly building 3D characters for animation. And they also have this tool called Mixamo, which is sort of a library for uh, motion capture. Mm. 
So I designed uh, like roughly the character infused. I send it to Mixamo and really can choose like the action it does, and then I, I work with it. Oh, that's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it for sure because I do animatics all the time and yeah, it's, uh, definitely something I, I need to find the best solution, the best uh, I use yeah, it's very fast. it's very fast. Because, you know, I'm not an animator, but I do need the character to move to fill the film. Yeah, for sure. That's so that's the solution yeah. for that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a rapid, quick-fire list of questions that I just asked you. I hope you're okay. You're, you're uh, under the, the gun all of a sudden. Well, I'm still alive, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Just to keep keep on the on the on talking about Artlist and your current uh, endeavor there, uh, how does it work? Do you work from home? Do you work at a, at an office? What's your kind of day look? Like? No, uh, at the moment I'm working from the office. We have uh, our office in the Vetsedek, and I'm from there. I started off doing like two days at home and uh, three days at uh, at the studios because uh, like our studio was really up north uh, next to the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, I heard something that that's where they started or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's where they started, and um, that that uh, this is where I was as well. Wow. Yeah. So all, they opened the big. Yeah. All the first commercial we shot over there, like we have a mm. studio over there with the equipment and everything. So I think this is also one of the reasons we had to be so creative because you know you're outside of the city. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you gotta and, find. Um, as far as like the equipment you guys are using, is it all like uh, equipment that belongs to Artlist, or was it is it kind of you guys are renting it per? No, so we have like uh, like a Red Raven and, and two Black Magics. I think we have the uh, Amira. It's called. Yeah. The yeah. Amira, like the, the Amira uh, and uh, the new <laughs> pocket, the six K, and like a sky panel. We have several lights. But we rent out like if we need you know special lenses or more more light equipment, so it's this and that. And you work you're working with Daniel Miller, who's your uh, director of photography, right? Yeah, he was the one. He was the, the DP on the on the news commercial. Oh, okay. So before that, it wasn't him. No, it's uh, it's Omri Ochana. He's our uh, DP. Okay, I see. So why, uh, is it okay to ask why you started working with, like, what's the, the is, is it going to be Daniel now, from now on, or, or is Daniel just came for this one commercial? No, he came for this commercial, uh, really, we're really focusing on making things in-house, so I really don't know what will be, but uh, we're really trying to build, like, a strong in-house creative team. Creative Creative team. and production team, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Because um, just the, uh, an anecdote, Daniel Miller is uh, also in, in our from from our year at Sam Spiegel that we both uh, went to. So he's uh, he's a colleague, yeah, long time uh, colleague, right? Yeah, and a good friend. And he's been doing some amazing work, uh, you know, on on many many levels. He's amazing, you know, many feature films. Everybody that I've spoken to who's been working with him, you know, tells me great things about how it's you know a great experience working with him and. That's funny because the last time I worked with Daniel, I was the DP and he was my first AC. 
really so uh yeah on it was on uh gan de langue's uh uh second year project uh the one with the uh kid and the egg i don't know if you remember that one i don't i don't uh yeah we shot it in the forest that was just before i moved to the u.s like basically 10 years and and half I, like 10 and a half years i didn't ago. know i didn't know you were uh shooting yeah that like was them. one of i actually shot that project and i also shot uh uh gil sagi's uh second uh year project uh with the two uh grandma uh, gra- i mean i, I was yeah. not a good dp by by a stretch you know <laughs> i was uh I, but i loved it it was yeah, that's a cool lot of fun. yeah yeah uh, there's a funny story there because uh, Daniel was my first AC. We went and we shot it in, in this forest and there's a lot of uh, sand and um, we returned the equipment so dirty that uh, I think it was Utopia or, or maybe the other company, the, the rental house in Israel, that uh, basically uh, blacklisted me. They said, you'll never, we'll never let you uh, rent out equipment. They, that was almost like, oh. that was a, a diplomatic uh, issue with Sam Spiegel because, you know, it was like, I can't, they came back, the equipment sure. was dirty. <clears throat> I mean, we were exhausted. Uh, yeah, that, no, you don't do that. that. So, yeah, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, it was kind of a stressful moment, but I, in, that sh- in that same shoot, I got a phone call from AFI in LA, and they told me that I was accepted to studying here. And, uh, yeah, and so I, I on, remember on you hand, leaving. I was like, yeah. And it was very abrupt because uh, they told me that two two weeks before the the year actually started. So from the moment they told me that I'm going, I was like immediately starting to pack. There was like no no time whatsoever. That's crazy. And, and that was kind of funny because I was on one hand I was being blacklisted from maybe Israel's biggest uh, rental house, and on the other hand I was moving to LA. So I was like, you know, so long, suckers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't need you anymore. But yeah, so Daniel Miller, uh, super talented. Uh, I'm definitely going to uh, Im- embed the new commercial uh, onto the the page of this podcast episode so people can actually check it out. Uh, and I highly recommend that and all the other commercials. And what was it like for you to work with him? Um, I, it was great because, you know, before I was working at Artlist, he was uh, like my first choice as DP. So... Um, we, we worked together many times before before this one, and this was like sort of a reunion, I guess. Uh, we were, you know, we were abroad. We shot it in Kiev. In, oh, in I Ukraine. didn't know that. Yeah, oh. yeah, we did. So it was really, really fun. It was a fun experience. Wow. Yeah. Why? Uh, just out of curiosity, I mean, we're really diving into the root, the the, the weeds here of, of this commercial, but I'm just very curious, and it's fun to talk. What, why guys? Why you guys went to Kiev for for it? Um, basically, I think two reasons. Uh, one is the budget. Yeah, I mean it. It has a lot of special effects and uh, things you really couldn't. And a lot of actors. I think we had like six or seven main and a lot of extras as well. Yeah, uh, like I think thirty in total people were in it, like just from the acting point, from the actors. So we ended up being extremely expensive here and uh, and cheaper over uh, there. So and we're talking about the commercial with uh, with the guy in the room that's like hovering in space, but there's a lot of other right. It's and and there's a lot. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, and I love the art. I mean, it's. Um... Yeah, well, our director was amazing. He was really cool, really good. Daniel, his name. 
So that. your art director here is from Kiev as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it has all so the much, technical uh, so many all like, the technical crew was uh, from the we we flew like uh, me Daniel uh, the head of department and uh, the guy who shot uh, Yuval who shot the like the behind the scene that's awesome and it's great and what what strikes me is interesting is that you have these like really intricate scenes like you know the scene of the guy putting the camera on on the on the I guess it's like kind of a, a race car or something mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and there's so much happening behind it but it's just one scene so uh, it's one shot basically that yeah I know the fu- I think the funniest example over there is like the guy like the director of this uh, racing scene yeah so like uh, the guy who played the director so it took me so much time to find him and to like you know uh in the casting and to really dress him up but he ended up i don't know 18th frame or maybe less yeah it's that shot. guy that but just I think, looks at the monitor for a second yeah 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 but it, but it, you know those are the right 18th frame like he had to be this guy because otherwise you know it wouldn't be that yeah oh my god that's i mean You know what I wanted to kind of get to ultimately is um, is your process because um, I know a little bit about your process actually it's very unique because a lot of times I speak on this podcast with directors that I you know I admire them for their work and and I always we always talk about the um, the outcome and also about the process but I don't actually get to be on set with them and see them work and you know I can't really um, uh, vouch for for what it's like to be on set but I was on set with you. Um, several times but I de- definitely remember one time in particular many many years ago the one time we shot uh, we shot this um, I don't even remember was it like a clip or or, or a short uh, with uh, with this great actor Shia Vivi uh, on a car on a green screen we shot it in the Tel Aviv University uh, um, filming studio um, do you remember that? yeah definitely And uh, it was such a, an interesting experience. And you and I, uh, I was there as a sort of a visual effects supervisor, I guess, in a way. I was kind of uh, taking care and making sure that the green screen was all good and that, you know, the plan was, was going along the way, you know, along. And um, we spent a bit of time together pre- preparing for it and, and uh, pre-visiting some of the car shots. We had some interesting kind of camera movements, something I think that started out If I remember there was a shot that started out kind of like as a bird's eye view with, with the leaf and I think it was with the leaf yeah and yeah. there's a leaf and we kind of follow yeah, the leaf and then, yeah and then it kind of goes down to I still remember that shot and I still loved uh, how we ended up like kind of uh, doing it on a previous level but um, and I don't have a, I don't have, I actually remember because that might also have been around the time that I was leaving so I uh, it's one of those projects that I don't think I've been to through to till the end um, but maybe I'm just I have a blackout or something um, but I wanted to talk about your process on set because I one thing that strikes me as very interesting is that as as uh, meticulous as you are at preparing and getting kind of as much sort of previsd and and planned out beforehand when you were on set it felt like you were you were just going um, you were all over the place you were having new ideas and you're just going with your hunch and 
and trying things and and I was like at some point I was like I don't know what the next shot is going to be <laughs> because I've lost track of where we are you know? <laughs> um, and uh, and you know it's 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 cool it's a process it works at the end of the day because uh, obviously I mean it works for you uh, so I was First of all, I was curious, do you still work that way on set? Uh, um, you, I really want to. Really, uh, like, I wish I could. I wish I could just go on yeah. set now and, and just do that. Um, but uh, no, no, I really, like, those days I really come, you know, extremely prepared. Basically, the entire film is ready, uh, like, from a shorting point of view, um, beforehand you know I could even maybe we could, maybe I'll send you the animatic for the for that commercial so you could you know put it uh, one next to the other and, and, and see that um, but I do that I think because because I come from this place because I come from a place where I you know I wish I could be on set and just improvise the, an entire film or commercial or, or music video uh, I gotta be planned yeah you know just yeah. even to have because I think the moment that Uh, just to put thing in, in uh, like uh, I don't know for the listener to to understand what we're talking about so that was like a short film it was a f- uh, I think it ended up to be some somewhere between like around 15 minutes yeah uh, like the final result and you know it was a very personal project it was sort of a um, Like it's, yeah it's very personal I, I don't know I don't have any other words to describe it um, very experimental as well I guess yeah that's what I remember it being like because I remember just yeah there was it experimental is what I would say and also experimental on set it felt like you, you yeah were like so still still I, experimenting and exploring the story on set I, I'm explore today I'm exploring a lot like with the actors uh, like it's more you know to just find the right um, like the emotion but uh, this thing that you're talking about I'm doing it before like this those are like the days that I sit in front of the computer and just testing out angles and testing out uh, You know the uh, other movements of the character and because basically you know animatic for if you're the director and you're doing the animatic so the animatic process is basically just like a, a cheap shooting day uh, yeah. not cheap in That's a true. cheap way but you know it's it doesn't cost you uh, that much money yeah so you can really test you out get to, things. yeah you get you get to test out things you get to see what works what doesn't work um, yeah so yeah So this is where I experiment a lot. Like uh, I can do three, four, five, even different animatics for, for the commercial. And you know, I straight away, you, you probably know it because uh, I'm sure you walk uh, in a similar way. So you know, you just ma- I make a shot and I render it out and I put it in the editing software. And I start, like basically the cut is ready, you know, before the commercial is shot. Yeah. And, uh, and is it usually kind of uh, like you mentioned that the two are, are very close together but for instance that case with, with the director that took you a long time to cast and to, and to dress and everything uh, and he ended up being 18 frames on screen was he also 18 frames in your animatic or yeah maybe sort of, uh, maybe in animatic he was like 22 frames but, but yeah uh, see I knew there was I knew you were <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no but also because uh, I walk like with the music and you have the music before so things are really uh, shot to cut yeah 
Of course, yeah, that's how it uh, usually ends up being. That's that's uh, just that's awesome and super inspiring. Um, another thing that I remember when I was on set with you uh, was that it was I found it very interesting and uh, unusual was that uh, before we started the shooting day that it was actually a night if I remember correctly um, yeah, you had was. us all you had you had the cast and the crew and everybody it was like before you guys do anything let's you know let's meet up in the center you kind of created this this uh, round we all set to set down and you had us uh, uh, meditate for I don't know like uh, a minute or so um, with uh, you know with humming and uh, and um, or on mm-hmm. And uh, I found that very, again, unusual uh, and, uh, and interesting. And it really sort of created this sense of like, okay, now we're in work mode. There was a lot of times in production, you know, you just, you just arrive and then you start working. And there's no like kind of announcement of like, here we begin kind of thing. Um, I was curious, where did, the, where did this even start? Like, where did you get this idea in the first place? And uh, are you still doing it? Um, so I think I got it from, uh, I think Peter Jackson has in his, uh, diary, like he has this production diary, I don't know if it's the Hobbit or the Lord of the Ring. So you can see him doing that over there. And like the moment I saw it, I think I, 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 like, I don't know if I'm, if this is where I, I got it from or this is where I remember I got it from, but I remember seeing it and saying, that's right, you know? And, right. uh, and it feels really, I mean, obviously it depends on which project and, and everything, but it, it felt right at the time. And today, yeah, I don't, like, we don't meditate before shot, uh, before the shooting day, but uh, everybody's gathered around in like a circle and I explained uh, what we're going to do and what we're going to do uh, like in the entire shooting day and uh, what our next uh and scenes gonna be and that's everybody you know from the dressing to like the actors and everybody's setting and everybody knows what uh what's gonna happen and uh like i do it several times in the day like after lunch uh everybody got around we talk it's like you know it's a minute it doesn't take yeah. really a lot of time and uh also yeah like you said i feel you know it gets people to this walking not walking but it's like uh being part of Because that's what you want. Right. Like, you want people to make art together and to be creative together. So you got to know what you're working about. Doesn't matter if you're, you know, the AC or whatever, or the DP or the yeah. director. No, I think, yeah. it's, I think it's awesome. I mean, and I, I, I think it's something that I remember and I was sort of thinking to myself, man, that's... You know it's almost like you are performing on set I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm that, that, that's specifically how I imagine it but like I am a personally a pretty um, reserved kind of uh, introverted person you know I have to be obviously when I'm on set I have to talk to everybody and to be somewhat of a, of a leader um, but I always find it found it that like a lot of people that I meet and I know you know directors like me, They have a, a part of them that is introverted because there's always like this kind of inner world that you have to sort of be in as, as a director that no one has access to in a way and you're kind of like the only person that's you know that has the whole picture in mind and you're kind of walk, walking around carrying it like a secret in a way um, that you're sort of telling people one at a time like here's you know put the camera here that's what I want kind of thing. <laughs> but you uh, you have a different uh, that's how I work. yeah yeah no, I know mean, I'm, I'm I actually, different. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like, like, I, this is, I, I, like, I had a... Like, what? Yeah, no, this, the set is where I shine. Like, this is... You know, this is my place. This is my place to express myself, and I really enjoy being on sets. I, I dance, and I, yeah, so I, I mean, shout, and I, I'm walking with the megaphone. I don't know who still does it, but I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, if I had a megaphone, I would use it all the time. I do. I have my own. I have my own with, like, with the stickers. I think this, this one is broken, but I get a new one. Uh, but I'm always, I'm very loud on set. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, it's, it's fun. I remember just being there and I was like, you know, uh, looking at everyone and, the, and, the, and the, the actors and everything. And I was like looking at you and like, you are a presence there. Like, <laughs> you are notice, noticeable. Um, Funny. And I was like, that's interesting because I'm, I'm like, I work differently, very differently. I'm kind of like that whisperer that kind of comes very close to the actor and kind of whispers in his ear and also without ev- everyone else and I mean I've been on set I, I shot a feature and uh, one day the one of the guys that was uh, part of the transportation department um, told me not to told me that they're shooting a film there that I shouldn't uh, get on set crazy because he, he didn't realize I was the director I was like uh, I think I can go because someone needs to direct this film yeah <laughs> he didn't even know me uh, so yeah, very different. But as you know, it works for you, obviously. Um, but I thought it was uh, it was very remarkable. I mean, if 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 someone, if anybody could have uh, the opportunity to see you work on set, and and uh, I think it would be very inspiring. And you know, obviously, every director works in their own unique way. But as I said, it's it's uh, it's a unique episode in that I was actually there on set next to you, saw you work, and I can kind of uh, give true. my own testimony. Uh, I'm a witness. That's cool. Uh, that's really awesome. A, a surviving so, witness. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think that's? Have you always been like uh, doing that? I mean, as 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 a as a kid, I'm sure you had the dream to be a director. I, I'd love to. I'd love. No, for you to I didn't. I a, actually never. No, I didn't had a dream. No. Like at a certain point, obviously, yeah. But no, no, I uh, I had a dream to be a rock star. Oh, that makes sense. That's, okay. Yeah, I was playing the guitar really loud, and I like the plan was, you know, burning guitars on stage and yeah, doing all those sort of stuff. That's where the megaphone comes from, too. I'm sure. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. And also, you know, like uh, I don't know if it's connected. I guess it is. Um, like one of the things that I spend a lot of time. I could spend like a day even more on it is like creating the playlist. I, you know, I create several playlists for every shooting day. Like each scene has like its own um, playlist. And like, I'm always like with the phone changing the songs. And I, I make sure that we have like good sound system uh, or at least loud on sound system. For, <clears throat> yeah, just for, for the crew, not for... Right. Uh, for the actors, no, no, for the because usually, usually I do uh, like the most of the stuff I did uh, like it's either music videos or commercials, so you don't really oh, yeah. have have to record sound, um, so I could play whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, that's something that I wish was more possible in like you know narrative because it's, sure. uh, it's a lot of fun to to actually play music in the background when you when yeah, you yeah sure. Um, so and that's, yeah, uh, was, yeah. That's really awesome. I was, I was, uh, I wanted to be, you know, I don't know, Jimmy Hendrix. A rock star. A rock star, yeah. <laughs> Steve Vai. And, uh, 
And and what at what age did you kind of uh, start noticing or start shifting into filmmaking? When when was um, when did that bug hit you? It uh, it hit me uh, slowly, I guess. But but it did. I mean, because I do have memories. Um, like I remember, I was around ten, I guess, or even a bit less. Because yeah, maybe eight. And I was uh, going to swimming class. And it was my first swimming class. And the teacher told me, I had the long hair over the, uh, back then. And uh, the teacher told me, uh, the tutor told me that uh, like professional swimmers have, um, uh, you know, they don't have hair. They have like shaved head. And right. because I was, yeah, and I was like, um, like I wanted to be the best uh, swimmer. Um, so I, I, yeah, of course. So I, uh, I went by myself to like, we had this uh, hair, hairdresser uh, down the road. So I, I went over and he cut my head, my hair. Uh, <laughs> I hope that you're head. Yeah, yeah I cut, he didn't cut my head. He cut, yeah, he, <laughs> he made me bald, uh, like an eight-year-old right. uh, bald uh, kid. And, but I remember Wait, watching... Like, your parents weren't there? You, you went no, no. I took... We had like this uh, ball of uh, coins uh, above the fridge there. And I just took several coins and I went over there. Oh, my God. That's a yeah. brave, uh, brave barber or uh, irresponsible barber. Irresponsible. Or, yeah, it, yeah. Was diff- uh, like, it was different times back then. Yeah. And while he was cutting my hair, I... I and I, and I remember it like very, very vividly. I saw this uh, uh, video from the mirror, reflecting in the mirror. I thought this, I didn't even call it a video, I guess. I, I, didn't rem- I didn't knew if it's like a computer game or like something that struck me, struck me like, um, you know, emotionally, like thing that's yeah. uh, echoing you. Uh, so it was one of these things and I saw it there and I remember the visual and I think I even dreamt about it and like it really uh, had an influence on me and it was only many many years later uh, not many many but I guess about uh, like when I was a teen so when I was like 13 so it's like five six years later I when I started watching music videos I realized that it's like uh, it's uh, Michelle Gondry's Around the World I don't know if you remember oh, this wow. one. Oh, wow. Of course. Yeah, so... Uh, so this is, I think, the first visual impression I had out of this world. Yeah, Michel Gondry's Around the World is the uh, uh, Daft Punk video, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, with the neon, if I remember, it's like uh, these people walking in a, in a circle in a way, and there's like neons and like... Yeah, each, each instrument has like... Uh, uh, is presented in uh, in the character and like it, each character like each instrument has the, the the way it moves and it it really is, it's an it's an amazing work i mean i think it stands yeah, yeah. and um i remember some of your early work uh had to do with uh this kind of 2d cutout uh sort of um I mean, it's funny that Michel, Michel Gondry, I see, you know, makes a perfect sense as one of your early inspirations because your your first few, few music videos, I feel like, had a lot of um, sort of uh, art. You know, they were very art-centered with with um, you know with with puppets. I don't know if it was puppets or just like you know these kind of um, handmade uh, production design 
and uh, people kind of occupying these uh, surreal, you know, uh, handcrafted uh, spaces, right? Sure, yeah. And uh, uh, so I, I'm kind of curious if you want, if you may, I mean, apart from that also just kind of your insp- I mean uh, that that's a that's a great inspiration and and uh, I'm very curious to know what happened next and and what how did you end up actually starting to make films so, your own I mean yeah um so like back in this those days I mean I was 13 14 I guess um Playing the guitar, I, we watched a lot of music videos. Like, this is, you know, my, uh, I think the main, my music video in university was back then. Like, sitting, uh, I guess, like, stoned and watching music videos. Like, the teen, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, I wasn't aware at the time that I'm watching music videos and that I'm learning anything. You know, I was expecting the, the newest Metallica video, like, right. uh, anticipating. Uh, but it did. I mean, uh, I I remembered every video, every frame, every everything, uh, and it got me. But again, I was I, I wanted to be a musician. And uh, when I was sixteen, uh, just few months, I guess, after I bought, uh, you know, my my Fender that I had dreamed of, and uh, so my father died, and I sort of oh. put the guitar aside. And uh, started writing. Like I, I really didn't. I know why the connection. I mean, I. But but that was the the pause. When he died, I I put the music away, and started focusing on on writing at first. Uh, then theater, and uh, and I left school. And at seventeen, I guess I was uh, in film school. In the, in really? the university, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you went to uh, to film school like uh, so young. And you're talking about the Tel Aviv University, or uh... yeah, yeah. Before we were uh, together at uh, Sam Spiegel, I was there for two years. Oh yeah, I think I remember that connection because I think that's how you got that uh, opportunity to shoot there in in the studio, right? Because you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, may I ask what you what uh, what sort of influence did your father have in your life, you know, before? Uh... Uh, so it, I guess it's both my father and mother, because uh, my mother, uh, she's a painter. Uh, she's a figurative yeah. painter. And uh, so we had a lot of art in the house, uh, like all the great masters. And uh, back then we, all, we also did a lot of crafts. Um, like I, I, knew, I knew how to make things with my hands. And my That's father, right. he, he was... Uh, I guess you can say sort of a computer genius at the time, like from software point of view. He had his own, uh, like they didn't even call it startup back then, but uh, he had uh, a company who made uh, sort of the first AI testers, tests and, and stuff. Uh, really? So, wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, We're talking about back in the 80s or like no, early No, it, uh, it was, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but, uh, but up until like uh, the 2000, it was still uh, running. Um, yeah. wow. So I sort of had those two, you know, I had the computer um, understanding and knowledge, I guess, or lang- understanding language of computers uh, from one uh, hand and, and the art world from, from another. So uh, this is like the home inspiration. Gotcha. Um. Fascinating, I gotta say. And then, um, 
from uh, Tel Aviv you went straight to uh, to Sam Spiegel in Jerusalem to the to Nahon, yeah. film school or yeah, yeah it was like a, that's awesome um, so I met you pretty early on then I would say kind of like two years into your official kind of uh, uh, studies and um, yeah so I, yeah, I remember you yeah, kind so of playing around with computers and, and with After Effects at the time uh, I think you knew yeah, more so about what, After Effects than I did yeah then. it was it was still pink back then I don't know if you remember that. I think after six no, or I, seven, it was pink. <laughs> after Effect was pink. Oh, I think... Um, I, I, think I hope I don't... All... I'm not... Mis- yeah, it was, After Effect and Premiere, and it, they were yeah, all they were pink all or pink. pinkish. Yeah. Uh, so the story with that is uh, on my first year in film school, we had a class of... Um, uh, like the early cinema, and they were talking about Metropolis, like Fritz Lang's uh, film. Yeah. And the teacher was explaining how he did it, how he created this, the, those sets. And, uh, and how he did it, he, he created like a small miniature and put uh, mirrors, like in a 45 degrees angle, um, inside the miniatures, and like the actor were far away. Right. Uh, yeah. So the camera could see them uh, inside the houses and inside the city. And uh, I really wanted to do that. Like, I, I heard it and I said, I want to do that. And I had this vision about, like, uh, yeah, but like a, a love story of this guy and a girl uh, in a heart shaped house. And I, uh. so I, I went on and I built it. Uh, I built this thing with the mirrors and I started testing it out and, and, uh, very early on, I realized that I need like uh, a studio in the side of a football field to make it work. <laughs> and yeah, and obviously I didn't have that. So, but I did have a good friend who, who just told me, you know, there is this program, and you can just, uh, you know, try. Maybe you could it could work out with you and blue screen and everything. Uh, and I did, and and. I think in in one hour I I figured out which tools I need to make this video. Yeah. Like there were like two or three <laughs> tools, you know, like a keen, uh, like the the like two and a half D that it had it had back in the days, and right. I think that's it. Um, and so that was my, my entry to this world. And this video ended up to be uh, like an official video of, of the band that, uh, that I sent it to. And sort of my, uh, you know, the start of my career. It got me an agent so, and I started working. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. Was that st- were you still in film school at the time? or was it Yeah, it was my first year. It was my, uh, in the summer break, not summer break, like in the middle of the year. Oh, wow. And uh, so you did it on spec, essentially. Like you didn't, you weren't commissioned by the by the band to do it. You just did it for no. yourself, and you sent it to them. Yeah, I just I just did it for myself and sent it. Okay. Yeah, I think I remember that video. That's why I bought up bought it up. It was very Michel Gondry ish, you know, like very kind of felt uh, in the same uh, universe uh, it, it, and style. It was actually the the like the direct inspiration for this video is uh, I think anyone who would watch it and know the video would would immediately um, spot it. It's. Uh, Tonight, tonight by Smashing Pumpkins. I think it's Jonathan mm. Danis. Like it's uh, a couple who directed it. Yeah, Jonathan and Valerie. I think their name is. Oh. 
so that's like a direct inspiration and I, I, I wanted to make this. I wanted even, I think it's even a, a, um, like I stole it from them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you did. <laughs> uh, I did. Well, I don't feel like, like it. I, did. I, I literally did. Artists, but I felt... Uh, but I felt good with it because they made like their music video is an homage for Melies, uh, Trip to the oh, Moon. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean that's totally fine. It, it, it totally makes fine. perfect sense. Yeah. Um, what I was uh, and you know we went to school together. It's been a while. It's like uh, I left uh, about ten and a half years ago, Israel. So there's been a, a good gap of ten years that I don't really know what you've been up to. Um, besides now, besides the last year. Wow. Um, and I'm sure a lot has happened. So um, if you want to kind of give me a, a quick uh, run-through of, of what you've... Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can speak fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, Obviously, yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Ten years is a lot of time. Uh, it is. It is. It is. I think the highlight is my personal life. Like if I really, you know, that's not like career highlight, but that the fact <laughs> that I have a family and... You know, that's a real life changer, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but from a career point of view, I, I, don't, I don't think I had highlights. I just, you know, I kept on working. And I did, like, 10 years, I did many, many projects. Uh, you know. So, but as far as I remember, like, you know, you started, when, when we were working together, you did the some music videos and you did... Uh, your personal short, and I don't know about other personal shorts or you know narrative stuff that you've done after that. Uh, it's purely uh, so narrative, I was, not like uh, yeah. I was pushing a lot. I was pushing two projects, but uh, after a while, I, I you know I stopped it and I, I focused uh, more on commercials. Uh, like I had a series and a, and a script for a film, but uh, like I'm not working on those at the moment. Yeah, I published uh, a book. I don't know if we if you know. You mentioned it about being a parent, right? About uh, it, no, that's like the like the trigger of it. But uh, it's yeah, I guess it is. I guess it is. It's about fatherhood, and it's an it's a narrative uh, sort of book. But uh, oh, okay. yeah, the the subject of it is is me being a father and and my relationship with my father and my relationship with my kids. That's. Very, very. Uh, I'm very curious to to read that book because you know. I mean, the so yeah, and and in a few months, the second one uh, as well is gonna come out, I guess. But those are not, I guess. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, an author, so those are, I guess, side projects, in a way. Yeah, but I think it's still fun, and it still says a lot. You know, it's like with me in this podcast. I'm not really a, a, an audio guy who, like, you know, uh, you know, I just. I was inspired by other people's podcasts. I listened to them. I enjoyed them. And I was like, well, you know, nobody's done a podcast about this thing. It's true. It's true. Actually, nobody has. Nobody had. And uh, I think, I think no, I think you talk with really interesting people. And I really like uh, hearing uh, those talks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I didn't even realize you have to listen to them. But, um, so I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Get out. So, Yeah. And, um, it, really, it really rolled itself, I guess. Yeah? Yeah. It's just letters yeah. I started. So you, you found time to write this book while also, you know, raising, starting a family and uh, dealing with, with having a baby, which I know is not a very easy thing. Like, it's, it definitely kind of sucks, sucks a lot of time out of your day. 
all all uh, of the time. Yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the day. Yeah, uh, all the day and was, and most of the night as well. Uh, is, yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's not forget that. You know? Let's not forget uh, the night. <laughs> yeah. And uh, here we can actually hear my my son talking in the background. Uh, as we. He's uh, talking. Not talking. He's not talking. He's three barely. Very young. Months, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I know. He, he is talking, but you know, it doesn't really say a lot of. Uh, he says a lot, but not with words. Let's say this. He's expressing himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I'm I'm su- surprised by how cute uh, he is. I, I never thought babies were cute until I have one, and I'm like, wow, they're really cute. Like I can't can't uh, deny. I don't know if it's just him, or all babies are like that, and I just didn't didn't realize because I haven't spent enough time with them. But uh, there's something super cute about him. Um, and uh, and it's good that he's cute because uh, he's definitely demanding a lot of attention here. Sorry, my wife is bringing him next to me to hmm. inspire this conversation. Um, so uh, so I know it takes a lot of time, and you found a time for that, and also for for you know doing commercials. Can you? I'm just curious. How did you get into directing commercials? Was it sort of some something that came through having an agent and doing music videos? Was was sort of like yeah, it did. It it did. Um, I think it, like the, it's two ways. Uh, I think there is a sort of a natural path uh, from music videos to commercial. Yeah, uh, it comes very naturally. Uh, definitely today, like because things are so visual, and a lot of the commercials nowadays are like really focus on music, and and a lot of commercials are music videos. That's what they are. Interesting. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. So, does it? How is when you say it's natural? It's like uh, a brand, for instance, is looking for a new uh, director for like, or or an ad agency is looking for some kind of visual idea for a commercial, and they find inspiration in some music video, and they're like, "Hey, you did this music video. They did some really cool thing with visuals here. Can you recreate that for our purposes?" Is that sort of how it kind of works? Um, I don't know. I'm sure it it can work like that. Um... For me, just uh, it worked because you know my work are very visual, and I could uh, firstly I could cut a co- like um, a good show reel out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and I could very fast like like when I when I sat back then with people like with agencies and um, you know production houses, I could show them very fast uh, what my works are about. Yeah. And if you make it like a feature film or like drama, so you got to spend more time and, you know, dwell into it. I guess. I don't know. Things like I can't really say that my career developed this way or that way because many things just happens, you know? They don't. Yeah. Like it's not because I did this, that happened. And because I decided this, so that happened. I mean, I did had. I mean, I remember the moment that I decided that I don't want to push any more narratives projects and I want to be focusing on commercials. I did have that moment. Uh, how did it lead to me be, me directing commercial? I can't really tell, not because, I'm, not because it's a secret, because I don't know. I went on and, and, and met many people and, and I talked about it and I, I really wanted it to happen. So I pushed uh, towards it. 
Yeah, I think there's a saying that success is luck equals uh, luck plus uh, preparation or something like that. So it's like um, it sort of happens overnight, but it also happens over years of, you know, but, but you prepare for it for years kind of thing. So it seems like, you know, you, you from what I gather from, you know, you and other people's uh, career paths, it's like you do what you like or, or you do something that you know you're good at and you create a body of work you know one project another project another project some of it is you know self self uh, motivated you know you come out and you do it yourself like uh, if it's a commercial a spread commercial or, or a music video for a band you like uh, and little by little you kind of build a portfolio and then one day the opportunity kind of knocks on your door whether you you know plan for it or not but you just happen to have you all the you know the visuals and and, uh, and uh, yeah that. but I I don't re- like um, I can't really relate to this story that like to this narrative that you're uh, uh, telling about because I don't feel I had this moment I don't feel I had this moment where like a great thing came and knocked at my door hmm. so it's not I like really a great feel- thing it's it's more like Um, it's like little things you know you have right. this project and it leads to to that project and uh there's I didn't felt an aha moment I think maybe yeah art list for me is uh is a great aha uh not moment but because I really feel I can express myself like and uh since I'm sort of my own client as well so I could you know I could write finally the script that I would want to direct uh in commercials. So that's sort of uh, like a place that I feel that I um, rightfully achieve, you know? Um, so talk, talk to me a little bit about how you, f- like, just how did it happen? Did you know someone at Artlist or did they, were, was there like a uh, They job? approached me. No, yeah, they approached me and, and I went on a meeting and, and, and got the job. That's awesome. And do you know based on what, what did they approach you based on or... I think they've seen a show reel and I know they were looking and meeting several directors sort of for my generation uh, I don't know if I can say names or not but I know they have and uh, you know they were looking at my agent site uh, probably checking several directors yeah and when they reached to me it was uh, I guess it was a click I mean I saw their vision and I, I really uh, believed in it. And we went on this journey that's uh that's pretty remarkable, so it's not like on a ba- personal connection with like a uh, a founder. It's really based on the merit of your work and on on uh on you know kind of comparing yeah. you with seeing seeing what's out there and and finding kind of the right uh the right creative collaborators for the project um yeah. and uh yeah i mean it's that's from first of all congrats because it seems like it's a dream job for a director it's something that a lot of directors are probably like dreaming of of having like a a client that kind of speaks their language and give lets them go crazy creatively and gives them a a consistent uh sort of consistent um stream of projects and uh and great level of uh resource you know um, it is but 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 it's not a client it's just uh i know it's terminology but it's it's not a client because uh, it is my workplace and right you know i'm part i'm part of the team basically it's not that i have a client that i need to satisfy or 
like I'm part of the team and I'm, I'm in the meeting and I'm in the product meeting and I could be in a, you know, I, I feel the product every day. Yeah. Uh, from all the, uh, from several directions. And uh, that's actually a, a question that I was going to ask is, since it's not really a client, but kind of the workplace, um, I'm sure there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Or maybe I'm wrong. Like, but because I would assume yeah. that the, the one thing that I always feel like when someone comes to me and is like, hey, we need someone, but we need someone full time is like, I'm like, well, I kind of want to be my own guy. You know, I want to be able to choose my projects. Sure, and if I sure. feel like doing this, you know, that's one of the advantages of being a freelancer and working per project is that you can always change, you know, the scenery. Like if, uh, you know, you're, you're not... You know, you don't feel like you're locked. Yeah, definitely, in. definitely, you're free. And so there is this, like there, there is like a mind ch- uh, change you gotta do. Yeah. Uh, coming from freelance to you know day job, but I did this change uh, like before working at Artist. I was a creative director at uh, I don't know if you know Stuff Studio. It's Adam Fe- Adam uh, Finder Fein- Adam Feinberg. Uh, Adam they Feinberg. do a lot of commercial and a lot of like broadcast. Uh, Uh, branding okay maybe so I, was the, I probably were, I would probably recognize the work yeah you probably know the, the work so I was the creative director yeah. over there and so I was already used to being uh, not every day but most of the week uh, on you know on walk walking gotcha interesting I didn't know that and you were also directing stuff as a creative director there yeah of course of course yeah Um, I'm curious why is the, the title creative director and not just director um. yeah I actually I called myself for a while just the director even though the title was the creative director but I think I start to realize why it's called creative director and not just director why because you're mo- you're more involved in that hmm. yeah I guess you're not like You're not being brought a script and uh, hired and no. get, you know like kind of doing you write the script and you you need to understand what script is needed and what uh, areas uh, need more work uh, like from a marketing point of view gotcha well I guess it's interesting because I come from the narrative world and in the narrative world the director is the king you know like a lot of times even if the someone else wrote the the script you know the director you It's expected that the director is going to rewrite and the director is going to cast and the director is going to do everything and be in post and and uh, so there's nothing you know creative director in a feature world in in the narrative world the creative director works underneath the director in a way you know um, but in the in the ad world the creative director hires the director in a way right and, and kind of uh, supervises the director or directors for mu- yeah, you know, sure. multiple projects and stuff. I looked at the commercial again by the way the the, the newest one and uh, I was kind of curious about that shot with the uh, with the guys uh, kind of on a skateboard in the in the bowling alley and stuff I was completely unsure if it's a if it's a practical shot or like a composite of two things because it could be both I think but I ah, know the bowling shot is entirely like there's no compositing over there it's all practical all practical yeah oh wow Okay. really what, what what did you uh, start with composite uh, just well the shot of them walking like you know uh, the guy running and the guy on the skateboard and the, there's something that kind of feels like it's uh, almost too good to be true like it's hyper real it's hyper real you know? yeah this commercial is hyper real for sure 
I think it's maybe something to do with like the guy on the skateboard is so in sync with the camera that it almost looks like you just took a layer of a guy standing on a skateboard and just slammed it on in front of the souls you know moving shot Funny. Uh, but um yeah again I was looking at it again very very well made and uh, and uh unbelievable that you're doing so many you know uh one after another what's uh what's coming up next as far as you are allowed to to say in um terms of what... just a lot of more content we have uh you know artists has another product uh that is out grid this is like sort of a shutter stock another i, I yeah. cut it out it's not a shutter stock it's a stock footage uh, <laughs> uh, uh stock footage uh, library and right. there's sound effects coming on and yeah a lot of stuff So everything needs you know commercials and content and oh wow work. for now this is like your your current baby you're not like thinking about or are there any other projects you're thinking about in parallel uh, other uh, personal projects or um, different things that or is it... no I really love it I really love doing that I mean I'm I'm always writing because you know I'm I'm always writing and like I have a children book uh, that uh, hopefully will, will come out soon and a second book that uh, will can out, come out uh, I think in, in three months um, so that's like but that's something I always did and will hopefully keep on, on doing but uh, I'm not looking uh, for any other uh, things like I'm not currently developing a film or show or you know I'm doing that yeah but you're talking about children's book and it's interesting um Is the first book you mentioned about you know the fatherhood is that's not a children's book is no it? no Or, that's a, that's an adult yeah yeah and how did that uh, end up working out in terms of like you know did you get it uh, uh, I mean it sounds like you had it released uh, in a professional publishing house right yeah I was lucky enough to to have a, like a purple you know release. publishing yeah that's awesome and uh yeah that sounds like an, a subject for a whole other episode about you know how do you go about doing that uh, and is there any kind of uh relationship between the two the two things that you do or in terms of like you know the directing uh, and the books no no surprisingly enough no i mean i guess you can find connection but uh When I imagine myself writing a book, I always thought I'll, I'll make like, you know, dragons or a book about <laughs> aliens and spaceships and, and things like that. And I ended up writing like the most realistic, um, personal, you know, work, poetic stuff. Uh, I'm sure like there, there is a lot of fantasy over there and there is a lot of like it, the way I see the world. So, and this is the way I see the world. So there is a connection because it's all sort of, you know, expressing Uh, right self so in that way yeah there is a connection but also no like they're totally different like if if I would make things like you know like Noah Baumbach films or stuff like that then this is the sort of book that this is you know but the films I make I guess is more in the fantasy world or more in the fantasy world yeah that's interesting uh, it sounds like you get you know you, you get sort of a complete complimentary uh, complimentary experience you know you, you do the the, the the whimsical fantastical stuff you do visually and in, in, the, in the visual kind of storytelling form and the sort of personal 
realistically grounded uh, uh, work is going yeah what I what I, I like about writing actually is that uh, it's very instant the moment you write yeah. it and then it's done I mean obviously you got to edit it and, and fix it but but it, that's the thing you write it and that's there is no uh, you know trying to raise budgets and, and pre-production and production and post-production and edit and whatever you know, you know what not you just that's that's the thing you write it and that's the thing you had in your mind or in your hands because I don't I don't like I, I don't imagine yeah story, I just write it um, and that's it that's it it's funny because uh, a friend of mine who you also know Shemi Zalkin uh, sure very prolific uh, Israeli director and uh, and a writer an author uh, we had a conversation about his writing and he was talking about how Uh, he almost loves writing more than he loves making films and one thing that he feels like he gets out of writing that he doesn't get when he makes a film is this kind of sense of catharsis at the end when when he finishes writing the book and he knows that's the book is over like the, the book is now finished and yeah so I guess my experience uh, is this different than his because uh, I know I I don't really enjoy writing. I do it because I enjoy some part of it or I enjoy, the, I, I enjoy, like I need it, but I enjoy filmmaking much more. Hmm. Like filmmaking for me is really, it's a fun thing. It's something that you, that I enjoy and I, I really enjoy the entire process while writing is a hard, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. For, for me at least. That's, uh, that's very interesting because, I mean, it's, it's, uh, every person has their own sort of uh, takeaway from things. You know, like I know I have a friend who's a filmmaker as well and he makes great films and, and has a, uh, a nice track record. And he says he hates to be on set. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't enjoy any moment. Of, no, I, I, I don't mind living on set, <laughs> really. You know, just give me a tent and like a crew and I'll be there. I'm there. No, me too. I, I love it. I love every moment. I mean, it's stressful sometimes, but uh, I'd rather be there than in front of the computer anytime. Yeah, you have someone making you food, and you have someone taking care of you, and you have fun. And um, actually, speaking of, of sitting in front of a computer versus being on set, do you foresee yourself sort of staying in front of the, like staying in this sort of all-hands-on-deck type work process where you... both you're on set and everything and also do all the post or is it just by necessity that you guys want to like keep it on budget and you're like well I'll just do it on the computer because it's cheaper that way yeah that's a good question because um, for, for like I had several times that I, I I told myself that's it um I don't want to touch the computer anymore that's enough yeah. uh, but I ended up doing that uh, like out of passion and Because really? I do love that as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, in a way, yeah, I, I would want to obviously not do that. But, but not because I don't want to do that. Because, like, uh, I think on several, pro- on, like, on, on a specific projects, you just can't. You can't do everything. Um, yeah. And also today, like, there are a lot of stuff that I know that, like, I'm, I don't have the technical things. And, you know... Like I'm not as uh half as ta- or less you know I'm not as quarter as talented shy or as you guys are uh in the you know in in the in these things, so I want to work with talented like with people who are more talented than I am, 
like I right, have yeah. like the DP. So he's be- Daniel is a better DP than I am. I don't want to shoot it. I want him to do that. I don't want you know I know I, I always I always find it interesting how uh, I'm sure you know who Emmanuel Lubetsky is and mm-hmm. uh, and Quaron uh, and and how you know Lubetsky was like Quaron's uh, you know right hand as far as like you know DPing a film and suddenly he made uh, his last film uh, what's it called uh, I'm blanking on it uh, uh, Roma mm-hmm. and he DPed it himself. You know, and you're like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Afonso Cuaron DP'd Roma himself after working for years with Emmanuel Lubetsky. I mean, I think Crazy. it was a matter of, it was both a matter of like, you know, Lubetsky was probably busy with uh, something with uh, uh, the other guy, uh, Inerido, or, or I don't know what, you know, like had his own thing. And Cuaron uh, was like, okay, well, you know, if I can't have the best uh, DP in the world on my film, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe he, want, he wanted hilarious. to experiment. You know, that's also part of the yeah. thing that we do. We experiment on mediums and we experiment on on, on things. That's yeah, no, I mean, and, and there's no doubt that he's perfectly. You know, like his work is amazing in that film as well, which kind of shows you that even when you're working with, you know, when you work with people that are good enough, you you end up learning from them. You know, there's no uh, there's no doubt about Definitely. it. And also, you, who knows? He might be a better DP than. Then Lubetsky is just not a DP, so you don't know. You know he's not doing it, so there's no way of knowing. Um, but yeah, I hear you. I mean, I, om- I always uh, kind of uh, have a sense of like, you know, if, I, if there's someone else I know out there that can do the job better or it, just do the job better, you know, at the time that we have than me, then I'd rather them do it than me, you know. It's not even a matter of like doing it, not, not being able to do it as good as them. It's just a matter of like, Focusing the energy and and spending focusing on what I'm good at letting other yeah it's do. it's that and also it's about uh, collaboration and like when you're working with someone then he bring uh, his passion and, and his talent to to a project and like the sum of everybody's talent will always be greater than just one person you know if yeah. you have doesn't matter how talented and how uh, gifted he is if you have more people working on something uh it's gonna be better i guess do you have a good example of like a part like a recent project that uh someone else brought something to the table that you didn't expect and you really kind of enjoyed seeing it happen yeah every t- all the time i think every project I'm, i'm very receptive in in this sort of way i mean i don't yeah. clench on a project it's not my own it's uh yeah it's a group effort yeah Yeah. No, that's fascinating. I love, I'm enjoying having this conversation completely, but I want to get to, uh, you know, get people, if, you know, people are probably going to listen to it wherever they are. And, uh, you know, the longer it goes, uh, the more time we're taking them away from other things that are, you know, creative. Um, I want to, uh, to kind of, uh, as we wrap up to ask you a few things. One is, Uh, I usually ask everybody on this podcast uh, what would you be your kind of uh, main advice for people that are you know starting out and wanting to be you or, or kind of a lesson takeaway that you've um, that you've uh, had over the years that you would maybe tell yourself uh, when you were starting okay um, I guess believe in the process mm, that's a good one that's because um, yeah I guess that 
And uh, do you feel like you have uh, had issues with that in the beginning of your career, or uh, or where does that come from? Like the no, people I didn't. Yeah, I was very arrogant starting out, so I was I was sure I could make anything. Uh, mm. at, the, at the beginning, I like my my way was just learning how to step down and learning how to collaborate with others and and those sort of thing. But I think this arrogant in the beginning really gave me a lot uh, of uh, like it got me sort of far enough to continue from, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think someone said uh, also in a different podcast, in a different episode, uh, there was a mention of like this kind of uh, balance between on one hand, you have to be arrogant and to believe everything you do is amazing because otherwise you wouldn't uh, have the motivation to keep doing it. On the other hand, you have to be uh, able to uh, beat yourself up and tell yourself that you, you are worth nothing so you can actually improve and get better at what you get do. Yeah. So it's always this kind of uh, balance between the two. Uh, so I guess with you it was the other one the, the, the realizing that you know there's places to improve that, that you needed to work on I guess or yeah. you needed to kind of uh, yeah sure um, and, uh, and so yeah I mean I, I love the I feel like this you know trust in the process is something that uh, uh, is very important for people because uh, a lot of times you start and you like you know it's like starting with a blank page you all, there's this kind of angst or this this fear of like you know I have nothing to start with I don't know what's gonna happen you know there's so many ways to fuck up and uh, you know you, you kind of start sometimes thinking you have to make all the right decisions right away um, no it and, isn't uh, and there, there is no right way as well like there's no one way and right. there's no right way you just uh, I guess you just live and you do it and if uh, that's Like I really, I'm, I'm a strong believer in fate as well. You know, I'm a, I, I guess I can say that. <laughs> You're allowed to say anything you want. I'm, yeah, I'm, so, I'm one too. I, I, I <laughs> so yeah. Too, so. <laughs> What, what's gotta so, happen will happen. Sort of that. Exactly right. If you're gonna fuck up, you're gonna fuck up, and that's you know what's. And you will, and you will, and yeah. maybe, and I have fucked up many times, and and I'm still alive, and I'm still walking, and you know. Yeah. I think it's also important to remember, and that's one thing I'm going to take away from, your, from, from being on set uh, many times, seeing many people work on different things and, and seeing the final result. Uh, the set, you know, when you write the story, you're not, you can't be sure that that's what's going to shoot, what you're going to shoot. And when you shoot the story, you're not even sure that's what it's going to be on the final film, right? Um, And, uh, and then when you finish the film and you think that everything is done and, and everything is great and someone watches the film and, and tells you something that you completely didn't expect them to, to tell you. you yeah, know? so, so, so if, if I take this back sort of like uh, to Artlist, to what we were discussing, so um, one of the great things that, that I do have is like feedback from, uh, from our marketing team because basically, you know, every commercial I... got to sell the product in the end because we're, we're like our why we're return on investment oh that's um, interesting yeah I'm so yeah so I know what like sometimes you have projects uh, that everybody believes in and every like everybody thinks yeah that's gonna be the you know the great commercial that uh, uh, that will work and, and it doesn't and even though you make everything perfect it doesn't work. You mean like people are not sharing it enough? It doesn't get enough uh, uh, it, it doesn't get enough. Uh, no, it, it works with um, conversion. 
Like okay, so people yeah. watch it clicking and you and becoming uh, yeah. becoming users of Artlist. Interesting. So you measure the commercials, each commercial based on actually how many people did you get to uh, recruit as clients or, uh, you know... I, I don't measure it by it because I measure it by itself, but that's the goal of any project. That's the goal of any yeah, commercial a, to, to sell in the tool. end. Yeah, a marketing tool. And uh, do you think there's a direct uh, correlation between the quality of the project and the uh, uh, ability of the... project to sell I mean I'm sure not exactly but what how do you kind of uh, how do you manage that uh, feedback I, as I a creative know. I don't know <laughs> I think things gotta be good I mean you gotta make good stuff yeah and will it walk yeah no I don't know <laughs> that's for the marketing team to decide and does the marketing team no it's not the marketing you? team this no they don't decide it it's It's the clicks that decide right the audience the the final the audience, the, the audience that decides yeah. yeah no I mean that's for them to like figure out I guess or to try to make sense into in terms of uh, why did one thing work then the other thing didn't and um, do they uh, ever I mean I'm sure they do uh, but are you guys do you feel like they're uh, giving you really good insights in terms of like you know what they think you made one commercial more successful than the other and uh, is that kind of a, a yeah, good collaborative definitely. experience? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. We discuss it and they have a lot of insight uh, on that. Is there anything that you're allowed to disclose or like a cool kind of realization that you've had uh, from that feedback and how it affected your work on the next commercial or something like that or is it no, all sort of secret? I, I, yeah, I can't really talk about that. Yeah. That's fascinating though, isn't it? Like just that kind of the technology al- allowing you as a creator to kind of see and get like real real time feedback on your work and, and get to get to uh, to shuffle it around and try to utilize yeah, this feedback as you it's move extremely forward. it's extremely um, exciting and uh, and interesting as well yeah. Man, that's very fascinating. It could go on for hours. What the last thing I wanted to ask is uh, for you know if people want to follow you, I mean usually you know we're talking about creators who have you know maybe they have their own websites and their own social media. I'm sure you have your own uh, uh, your own as well. but of course, artlist is where the new stuff is. so uh, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'm gonna convert now into uh, <laughs> into a uh, into well, an artless customer which if you uh, haven't which... if you haven't you should definitely okay. <laughs> I haven't like uh, full disclosure I figured I record the podcast first and then uh... yeah we, we'll discuss about that later <laughs> that was very nice very fun conversation yeah same here same here and thanks so much I, I think it was super awesome and uh, and we got so much uh, interesting stuff that was it I hope you guys enjoyed it episode 26 with Jonathan Barty of the post post podcast stay tuned uh, we have another episode already slated episode 27 is going to be with Oren Kaplan who's also a filmmaker who that I've had the honor and uh, privilege of working with in the past and it's going to be a fun conversation he also hosts his own podcast Just Shoot It and um, 
Well, stay tuned. It's going to be a fun episode. See you then.